Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. You're very welcome to Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Monday afternoon. Great to have you with us on the show today. Let me tell you, we have a packed claw for you over the next couple of hours or so. Yes, it's absolutely packed. And uh, we'll be, we're really hoping to go to the Oscar ceremony, or the aftermath of it. Kate McCullough uh, has promised that she'll be available a little bit later on. And we're going to have a chat with her. Uh, I have the place name for you to mispronounce or pronounce on Monday. I'll tell you about that in a little while. Uh, parcels. We told you some time ago in late lunch, there was a huge issue with parcel deliveries from Britain and the UK. Well, it appears that issue is resolved. We're going to be joined by Anna McHugh, Head of Communications at OnPost. Mead Civil Defence have acquired two new wonderful dogs. That's another little story we have for you. And uh, a project in DKIT where if you're in work and perhaps you haven't gone to third level education in the past, will you can and get credit for where you actually work and the experience you have. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text is our number to get in touch with us on the show this afternoon. Now, let's begin uh, with uh, racing from Cheltenham. And David Jennings? No, I haven't got David Jennings. I have Liam. Have I Liam O'Neill on the line? Hello, Liam. Hello, Jerry. Liam, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Great to talk to you. Well, let me tell listeners that Liam O'Neill is a fantastic punter and he's heading to Cheltenham again tomorrow. How many years, tell them, Liam, have you been going? This would be my 42nd. Wow, that is some record. Do you remember the first time, Liam? Yes, I went in 1980. I went with uh, Tommy McDonald, Lord of the Mess, and he's passed on. And we were um, Ty Cards won the Gold Cup in that year. Yeah, and you've been and going and Liam every year since. Every year since we've a lot of the lads now went me over the years now are passed on. Yeah, great patrons: Peter Finnegan, Tony Wynn, Joe Mallon, Struggle Welch, and we have a special friend uh, Desi Murray. He's, he can't come this year, but we're thinking of him. Yes. 
So, so many, many people over the years making their way to Cheltenham. And, and Liam, do you have the same routine every year? Tell us about tomorrow. What will happen tomorrow? What's your plan for tomorrow? Our plan for tomorrow is get in there and get the winners. Follow <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Willie Mullins. Yes. That be my plan. He's, he's special. So you believe that if you follow Willie Mullins from Tuesday to Friday this week at Cheltenham, you'll you'll have a few pound in the in the kitty at the end of the week. He'll come home loaded. <laughs> but I I suppose uh, you know it depends, Liam. Then on which of his horses he's a quite a few runners, hasn't he? He has. He's a lot. He's uh, well fifty percent of the favourites in in, in uh, the twenty eight races has belonged to Willie. Mm. So that's saying a lot. He's got all the horses. He's got all the ammunition. Mm. So you expect? Do you expect he'll be top trainer come the end of the meeting on Friday? Oh, there's no doubt. But Elliot will be second, and he'll be he'll be up front. Mm. Come back to tomorrow. What what way does it operate? Do you meet up tomorrow morning? Just take us through your trip over. Oh, we're all meeting, flying out, both net are gone. We'll all be gone nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Head down to Cheltenham. Meet tomorrow night. Have the sing song. Sometimes there, some years back, we brought the band. Travelling John, mm. the fun was great. Owen Lynch was with, with us with another night, another time with David Leddy. Yeah, so you br- you brought your own music with you by times. Oh, and, and Liam, do you, do, you, was great. do you stay in the same place? We stay in the place called Boardlip. It's a small small village on the very top of the hill, Cleve Hill. It's um, and we stay in the Royal George Hotel. It's kind of our hotel, you know. Yeah, and, and then you, it was yeah. a meeting place. Then where everybody turns up every year. Tender's not dead, including <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the English lads. Yes. We all made great friends with them over the years. Mm. We had some great times there uh, years ago. We met the famous Alan Paul, Franny Lee. We had great crack with them. Great football men. Yeah, they had um, they were great fun and Alan great ho- great horsemen too. I have to say, when you go to Presbury Park tomorrow, and you know you start to see people that you've met over the years, describe the feeling you know when the off is called on the very first race. What is that like? It's the buzz, the cheer. It's the Irish against the English, mm. and we'll be all cheering the Irish home. Mm. I don't. I'll be back in my own fancy <laughs> No, it's, there's a great buzz there. You wouldn't see it anywhere else. Yeah. Where there's, it's a great leveler. You know, you could, you could, you could run into anybody. Mm. I mean, the Queen Mother was running around there a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, they, 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 they played a big part in it. The royal family and do yeah, tell, tell me, right. tell, tell people who are not, you know, race goers or don't really follow it. You know, when you talk about, we all know about the Grand National at Aintree, of course. You know, here at home, our own Grand National, the meetings here, you have Ascot, you have the others as well. What what sets Cheltenham apart, Liam? Cheltenham is special. Probably the terrain is absolutely fantastic. You know, the scenery there, it's, it's, it's out of this world. And the, the, the crowds, the crowds, of course, make it. The Irish crowds come. Mm. Without, without the Irish there wouldn't be a, a real Cheltenham. Mm. And then, I suppose years ago when we wouldn't be beating the English so much, we could always beat them a horse racer. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's true and even the uh, the ads running on TV uh, allude to that uh, at the moment Power. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was in London the weekend. I was looking at those ads plastered all, all over the place. What do you think, uh, you know, when you talk about tomorrow, you know, the first race, the, the big race in tomorrow's is, is the champion hurdle, of course. Um, have, have you anything for that that you, you fancy? You couldn't back him to probably the, the horse to, to win that. Constitution Hill called after one of our most famous streets in Drada. You think he'll win it? It's a small field; yeah. only seven horses declared. Yeah, they'd be afraid, afraid to uh, take them on. But we've a draw. The man Derek Cadence, uh, he has a couple of horses running there. In the, he's one in the bumper. I think he's two or three horses over the over the, the week. Does mm. um, then some time back then, and we nearly won the gold cup. But they'd like some car ahead, Harbour Pilot. That's true. They uh, were second in the competition, the mm. singing competition with Peter Finnegan and them. Mm. But it, it's all about it. you have the fun of that, that night. Um, it's it's uh, it's not really all gambling. What people think, mm. you know, you could parade around and get entertained in Chatham. Yes, uh, without having bets, just looking at the mm. the surroundings. It's a fabulous. It's it's a fabulous fabulous place. Mm. Yeah, and you know, as you say, there's more to it than the racing itself, and that's the camaraderie. It's oh, yeah. meeting people. It's the the fun at night time, etc. What about on the course? Uh, you know, when you're there in the day, obviously you have your fancies. You mentioned one of them there to me a moment ago. But do you pick up information on the ground that would change your your choices? Well, money talks, but uh, they take an awful lot of money to to make these favourites over here. Yeah. Uh, but when you have, as I say, you have special fellas like Willie Mullins, Magic Men. Yeah. I think Ireland will probably get maybe 15, 16 winners over here. Mm. It's, uh, they'll, bring the, they'll bring the standing back, but to have the most expensive horses. Yes. So yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine... Come Friday, no, <laughs> we all won out. Yeah, well, Joe, look, but that's that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's I what mean, it's all about. It's sold out now, completely yeah. for the for the four the four days. Mm. But as I say, it's all walks of life go to it. Yeah, you know, it's it's there's loads of people would go that wouldn't be packing horses all the time. Yeah, it's a great leveler. It, it doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing, life oh, or anything. Yeah, Everybody's man. in it together. Yeah. We have now Alex Ferguson. Alex, how's it going? Any mm. winners? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, well, you wouldn't be able to talk to him in the old Trafford, would you? <laughs> no, no, no. And I'm sure Martin Quinn, the famous Martin Quinn, will ha- has an yeah. in with Alex. He always has. Uh, yeah, but he's close to Alex. Ah, yes. Yeah, yes. he'd be very close to him. Yeah, they'd be on fourth names and all that. Mm. Anyway, everybody looking. I'd be more into Leeds. Yes. Yeah, well, oh, well, we won't even mention that. We let that one go, so we will, because uh, Leeds have a big enough uh, challenge ahead of them, like all, all the uh, horses heading to Cheltenham over the next few days. Well, Liam, look, great to talk to you. Uh, over 40 years going to Cheltenham, unbroken. How many are you going, just before we finish? How many are in your group tomorrow? There's, about, there's 15 to 16 going, and there'll be a few more up there. Yeah. 
but as, as, as same, there's a good few dead <laughs> that would be the I know, I know. You in on them. I know, I know, and that, that's yeah. sad to, to reflect on as well. But look at oh, but to, they left a mark there. Ah, they certainly did. <laughs> well, look at to you and all your friends. Good luck in Cheltenham. I hope you come home with pockets lined at the end of the week, and it's great to catch up with you this afternoon. Okay, well, thank you very much, Jerry. Not at all. Good to talk to you, Liam. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's uh, Liam O'Neill there, one famous punter from the Northeast as well, heading over to Cheltenham with his uh, friends again tomorrow. Oh, 42 years going to Cheltenham. Anybody out there, anybody else out there with a longevity in terms of going to Cheltenham? Have you been going for many years? If you've anything to say about the great meeting, 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text gets us on late lunch this afternoon. David Jennings is Deputy Ireland Editor of the Racing Post and he's in Cheltenham today getting ready for the big meeting. Hi David. Hi Darren, getting blown away here. It's very windy over here so I don't know what the wind is like back home but it's very windy here today anyway. Well we had a good blow during the night that's for sure but it's settled down now and I just see the going has been declared. Has it soft with the rain you've had? Yeah, it's got soft. There was a, there was a good bit of rain overnight Jerry. so there was. So I think we're going to be starting on, on soft ground. Um, which is unusual, really. It's usually kind of decent, kind of spring ground for the first day of the festival, but it's going to be softer this year, Derry. It's going to be harder work. There you go. So it makes your job a little tougher. Let's get straight to business and talk about the four, what would you call the, the standout races of the meeting, starting tomorrow with the champion hurdle. And I had a punter on with me just before you came along, Liam O'Neill, and he says to me uh, that Constitution Hill can't be beaten. And he is right, Jerry. This is potentially one of the greatest horses we've ever seen, would you believe? Um, it's incredible to see what he's done in such a short space of time. He broke the track record in the Supreme last year, which would be the, the opening race of the festival, the Novice Hurdle, and it was just an incredible performance. Um, what makes this horse interesting from, from a, a County Mead uh, perspective anyway is that Barry Garrity did all the work with this horse. His three kids rode the horse at home. He had him for a couple of years. He broke him, and um, he, he nurtured him was bought by Michael Buckley and went over to Nicky Henderson, who, of course, Barry Gerdy rode for, for for many years. So a lot of the credit to to, to goes to Barry Gerdy for one of the best horses we've ever seen. So there's a nice mead angle to it, Jerry. That's fantastic to hear and hopefully it does the business tomorrow. But if you were to pick one, it's a small field of seven. Is there anything, you know, that as an outsider even, that you'd say might uh, well, he won't beat Constitution Hill, but I think Vaughan will run well for, for Willie Mullins and Danny Mullins. Okay. Um, he won the Triumph Hurdle at Cheltenham last year, and it's very hard for, for, for horses who were in juvenile hurdles last season to, to take on older horses. But I think he's going to improve the further we get into spring, and I wouldn't be surprised if he finished second or third, but I think this, this is just a race to enjoy Constitution Hill, Derry. Then the Queen uh, Mother Champion Chase, the news that Gentleman Demi will not be running has perhaps opened it up. And when you look at the others there, it's it's a tighter call, is it? Yeah, it's a great race, Jerry. It, it looks a match on paper between Enner Gamine, who was last year's winner of the race, and Edward Stone, who won the Arkle. So the, the new kid on the block has taken on the defending champion. And I think the new kid on the block can win it. I'm a big fan of Edward Stone. He's a slick jumper. He finished in front of Venner Jameen when they met in the Clarence House chase at, at Cheltenham earlier on this season. And I actually think he, he might even finish further in front from this time. The race will be run to suit. He loves the course. And uh, he'd be one of my strongest fancies of the week, Jerry. Uh, Edward Stone. There you go, folks. You're hearing it from the man that knows David Jennings. Onto the stairs hurdle. Flooring Porter is going for this race. Third consecutive year to win. Can, can it happen? Uh, this is an incredible story, Jerry. Gavin Cromwell has done a remarkable job with this horse. Like 
I suppose to, to give an analogy in football terms, like when he had this horse maybe four years ago, he was playing junior D football and, and was barely getting a, a game on a junior D team. Now he's playing in an Ireland final and he's already won two of them. It's remarkable. He was only rated 104 three years ago. Now he's one of the best staying hurdlers we've seen in our lifetime. It's an extraordinary story. And I suppose to add to that, that a syndicate own it, the Flooring Porter Syndicate. And that's what adds to the appeal as well. You've got kind of everyday men who are able to have winners at the Cheltenham Festival. And the scenes in the winner's enclosure last year after the stairs hurdle was, were, were just absolutely fantastic. There was people on shoulders. Everybody was roaring and shouting and uh, if he did happen to win a third stairs hurdle in a row, this would be one of the greatest training achievements we will see by Gavin Cromwell. His horses are actually in terrific form at the minute. Um, everything seems to be running well that he's running. He's had four winners in the last two weeks, and uh, he's certainly got a big chance, Loring Porter. This is probably the best stairs hurdle he's run in the last couple of years, though, because Gordon Elliott runs Chihupu, who ended Honeysuckle's unbeaten record in the Hatton's Grace hurdle at Fairy House. He got Blazing Cal for Charles and Philip, Philip Burns. And you've got home by the lead for Joseph O'Brien. So this is a really strong race. So Brown Porter would probably have to be better than he's ever been before to win it. What about Marie's Rock? There's a lot of talk for this one. Yeah, she actually runs tomorrow, Jerry, in the oh. Bears Hurdle. Oh, she right. The leading fancy for this race, but the ground is soft. I see. So they, they decided to play their hand early, Jerry, and they're going for the Mayor's Hurdle rather than the Stairs Hurdle. And how will she go on that? Uh, she'll go very well, yeah. It's a cracking race tomorrow, so it is. Honeysuckle... Uh, Marie's Rock you've got Epitons you've got Brandy Loves that's that's the race after the champion hurdle tomorrow it's an absolute corker so uh, you don't have too much time to digest the champion hurdle before we get stuck into the mayor's hurdle then the centrepiece of course is the Cheltenham Gold Cup uh, final day and a Plutard uh, a lot of uncertainty around this guy yeah hard to believe Jerry. 15 length winner of last year's Gold Cup and still only a 9 year old is now an 8-1 to one shot to win this year's race. The problem being that we've only seen him once since he won the race last year, and that was in the best fair chase at Haydock, where he completely bombed out and was pulled up. So he was due to run since then at Leperson, but was pulled out after getting a knock to a joint. So we just don't know what we're going to get from Matthew Tower, but what a glorious story it would be if Henry de Bromhead, of course, has had a tragic year. Mm. If he can team up with Rachel Blackmore to win this race again with Matthew Tower, it would certainly be the story of the weekend. You know, I, I suppose the way I described him a preview night, he's, he's the forgotten horse of the race that nobody seems to forget. Everybody says, I, everybody's forgetting about Abdul Tar, but nobody's really forgetting about him. He's got a massive chance. If he comes back to the form last year, he'll probably win. But it's a big if, Jerry. But would you go, is your faith in him? Is your faith in him or do you see no. something else in that race? No, I'm not the forgiven type, Jerry. I, I, I think the favourite's going to be hard to beat Gallop in the champs. He's the, he's the, new, he's the new man in town, so he is was very impressive in the Irish Gold Cup. He won the John Durkin. I don't know if you remember the Turner's Novice Chase at, at Cheltenham last year. Gallop in the Champs and Bob Ollinger took each other on. Gallop in the Champs was miles in front and jumped the last perfectly and then slithered in landing and, le- and lost uh, Paul Townend. He's the up-and-coming horse in the race. He's favourite. He's not great value, but I think he'll probably w- win. One of the much bigger price that I do think will run well is a high senior who's a 16-1 to shot for Lucinda Russell and Derek Fox. Uh, a different horse in spring compared to earlier on in the season and he actually beat Brave Man's Game, Long Press and Fury Road at Aintree last season. So if he brings that sort of form to this race, he's a big each-way player at around 16-1. to 1. Willie Mullins horse again you're talking about there. So what about top trainer? Is it Willie? It's Willie all day long. It <laughs> certainly is, yeah. I'd be astonished if he wasn't uh, champion trainer. Like a bad week for Willie is about six or seven winners, Jerry. That's what most people would give their left arm for. He's going to have... He could have had 10 last year. He could get to 10 again this year. 
And especially with the ground the way it is, it tends to be the case that when the ground is soft here, Cheltenham Willie tends to have his best week. So I think you're looking at maybe eight, nine or ten winners for Willie. He'll certainly be champion trainer. And I think probably a stable jockey, Paul Townend, will be leading rider for the week as well. He's Ireland's champion jockey and uh, he's probably the best in town. And in terms of Irish victories, what figure would you put on it this year? Well, I suppose 23-5 two years ago. It was 18-10 last year. I think it'll be something similar to last year. It's hard to believe that Ireland are so dominant at the festival. Like It wasn't that long ago where we were blessed to get two or three winners. Now we had 23 in one festival two years ago. Um, I think it'll be around about 17-11 or 18-10 to Ireland. I'd be, I'd be astonished if Ireland didn't come out in front um, over the week. But uh, I think the home team will strike back and certainly in the first two days they've got plenty of chances. There may be a, a bit of an, an Irish greenwash later on in the week. But uh, yeah, about 17-11 would be the, my, my scoreline anyway, Jerry. And before you go and you're very good to join us today I know you're so busy your nap of the meeting you mentioned something a few moments ago but and you, you felt it was maybe your pick is there something else would you give us one that you'd say have a look at this oh I am Jerry. I'm going to go to Thursday the 210 the pretense final a horse called Walking on Air that's trained by Nicky Henderson um, he's around about 8 or 10 to 1 he's been my, my, my charity bet at all the Chetland preview nights I've done I think he's got a cracking chance I think he might be the best handicapped horse of the week um, I thought he was actually going to be a grade one horse earlier on in his in his um, life, but it just hasn't materialised. He picked up a few niggling injuries, but uh, the flip side of that is he's now a really well handicapped horse. So uh, I think he's he's a big big player. I think he's a massive price in the two ten on Thursday. Walking on air. You'll remember that one, Jerry. Will oh you? well, we'll all be walking on air if it wins. I can tell you that, and so will you. Everybody will be sending you. You'll have your Christmas gifts sorted long before they're needed this year. Listen, you're great, David. I always appreciate your time, and good luck to you. Enjoy the festival like everyone else. Thanks a million. I will indeed, Jerry. Thanks. Take care of yourself. That's uh, David Jennings there, Deputy Ireland Editor of The Racing Post, talking to us live from Cheltenham this afternoon with his various fancies for the meeting. Uh, I've been not jotting away there as I'm going along, just making sure that I have a few of the uh, tips from David there down on me page because I like to have an old flutter on Cheltenham. Louise, what about you? GGs and Cheltenham and horses. You used to always uh, back at Cheltenham. Did you? Yeah. Always, even if it was just one euro each way. That's it. That's <laughs> and, it. But I did have a massive winner once, one year. 60, I had two 66 to one winners in a row with me little one euro each way bet. Wow. Mm, Harry Molly, I think, was one. I can't remember the other. <laughs> cannot I, remember. I love that name. I cannot remember did the Did you name go the with the name? Horse. Did you go with the name when you mentioned Harry Molly? Of course. I wouldn't have a clue otherwise. <laughs> Stick the pin in the paper. As long like as myself. they have four legs. They have every chance. <laughs> but it just shows you at times. Like the, some of the fields are big and, you know, things happen in a race and the the favourite necessarily doesn't always come through. But I think it is a time of the year that people, you know, have a little mm, flutter. And, and a euro each way is yeah. fine. It's having interest in it, you know. That's yeah. all it's about, you know. But uh, It's a big race meeting, isn't it? Oh, it's you just huge. Have, it's yeah, yeah, just yeah. huge. It dominates now for the next it's few days. It's just the excitement of it. And even, as you say, one mm. euro each way. But to look at it and just see your horse yeah. coming in. Yeah, it's great it's, feeling. It's such a feeling, as you heard Liam saying earlier, when they go off on the first race, that roar, you know, it's mm. just something else. So it is. Anyway, I heard a roar or two myself the weekend. I was back in London, but don't tell anybody this. <laughs> I was at the home of the enemy. Mm. Oh, I was at Arsenal, right? That's Arsenal's arrivals are. Tottenham. Tottenham, good for yourself. Tottenham Hotspur. I was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday. They played Nottingham Forest. I was with a Tottenham fan and a Forest fan. Oh, and I was in the, the middle of them. in the middle. And right, I'd you were a mediator. I have to say one thing. It's the most magnificent stadium. 
the most magnificent stadium oh. I've ever been in. The You're new Tottenham Stadium. It. Oh, it's just, it's unbelievable, Louise. So really are you, is. would you turn like, what? You know, after saying it's a magnificent stadium, you know. Turn. Often taken less for I'm supporters. Tear my short. Just hold on like tear me short here. Turn. He's not wearing an Arsenal. No. <laughs> I tell you never. The Gunners won yesterday. Keep the the five point gap with City. Oh no! Once a Gunner, always a Gunner. I want Spurs fan. Always a Spurs fan as well. But I wanted to go along. I was delighted that I'd been there and seen that stadium. Just built long after Arsenal Stadium. What ten years later or so? It's only three years open. Absolutely magnificent. I have to say. And you didn't Simply mind walking in. To like the enemy headquarters. No, 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 no. And I, I enjoyed the match. I have to say, felt sorry for the Forest fan, and well, the Tottenham fan was very happy, of course. Yeah, but back in London the weekend again, and uh, another big soccer match, and I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the weekend as well. I want Where are you to going say, next weekend? Uh, I'm going, going to <laughs> <Chat>. bed. <laughs> I was sleep to catch up with all the lost sleep. And thanks to John and Paddy. It was really lovely, lovely weekend. Now we're going to talk return to education for the next while on the show. And I'm delighted to be joined on late lunch this afternoon by Mark McGowan from Scholars Hotel and Dr. Philip Scanlon, who's the project lead for the National Recognition of Previous Learning at DKIT. Welcome to the show, both. Thanks very much, Jerry. How are you doing? Thanks for joining me. If I could start with Dr. Philip Scanlon first. Philip, thanks again for being with us this afternoon. You might explain in a nutshell to our listeners what this is all about. Yeah, well, recognised prior learning, um, also known as OPL, and I will refer to it as OPL, it's a lot easier to say. Um, it's been with us for many, many years in higher education, but it's been on an ad hoc basis. Um, so DKIT is taking part in a national project. So it is funded by the HCI, the Human Capital Fund. So over the next five years, there's 14 different higher education institutes uh, are going to work together and also work with employers to embed OPL, the prior learning, in institutions, policies and practices. Uh, we're going to work directly with companies to provide courses that they need for their employees. Okay. Um, so it's also going to promote then, get the word out there, what is OPL? Because a lot of people actually don't know what it is. Mm. And it's all about recognising the prior learning uh, that people have accumulated through their life, you know, regardless of how they've accumulated, whether it's been in a job or whether it's in community, um, you know, volunt- uh, voluntary committees or something like that. We all develop a lot and collect an awful lot of knowledge through our life. And the higher education will recognise that this learning could be used you know, if somebody wants to return to education or get into education, um, they can use this um, knowledge that they have. We'll say they want to apply for a course, but they don't actually have the prerequisites to get onto the course. We can put them through a process of looking at what knowledge they have they developed over the years and possibly get them onto that course. Mm. So that would be, we say, a non-standard admission to a course. Or they might get, um, have enough knowledge to get onto, we'd say, through advanced entry into a programme and get on to the second or subsequent years. And or if they do get on to a course, then maybe they might be given an exemption from particular modules that they've developed a lot of knowledge in. So in a nutshell, that's, rec- that's basically what OPL is. So would, would then I take it from what you say there that uh, even though it was there and has been there for a number of years, people would have not known that this is possible or that they would have felt, look, I, I haven't got previous education. Would that have been an impediment, a barrier? I think it has been over the years because I myself was actually with Native done many years ago <clears throat> and I went back to college as a, as a mature student and I went looking for, you know, an exemptions from courses 
are some modules on a course. And I didn't get them because nobody really knew where to point me at, you know. And I think a lot of people think to themselves, well, I don't have, let's say, a leaving certificate or I don't have a diploma. How can I apply for a course? Because a lot of courses stipulate you have to have a prerequisite of um, a degree or diploma Mm -hmm. to go into a course. But you may have many, many years' experience and you might know more about a lot of the content of a course than the, the people that are on the course. Yes. So I, sorry, go on. No, go on ahead. Go ahead. You go. No, I was just going to say, so um, people shouldn't see it as a as a, an impediment to getting out of the course. Come and talk to, we say, the OPL officer within an institute like myself. Discuss what you're interested in. See if you have the knowledge that possibly could be used to introduce you onto a particular programme. Well, a man who's on the programme is waiting patiently uh, to talk to me. He's a good friend of ours on Late Lunch. Mark McGowan, good to t- chat to you again this afternoon. Great great to chat to you again, Jerry. How's things? Good. Now, you are somebody who is part and parcel of this uh, push at DKIT. What have you gone back to study, Mark? Tourism and hospitality, Jerry. So um, it's, been, it's been a long time since I've been back studying or been in, the, in this mind frame, I suppose, to to go back to studying but I heard about the RPL process recognised prior learning and it was a great opportunity for me because all I had completed was uh, my leaving cert so with all the years experience 25 years now um, experience within the hospitality industry I really felt as if I wanted that piece of paper because I suppose I want to make sure that there's credence behind what I'm saying and what I'm talking about when I, when I am within the industry and it's just after giving me a great opportunity. So I'm delighted to be able to do that. And there's a balance between, um, I suppose, work, work, family life and um, college as well, because I'm only here a day, a day a week this semester. Mm. And, and you made a, a, a lovely video, may I say, uh, which the college have uh, posted and anybody can go in and ha- have a look at it. And you address a number of issues, as you say there. First of all, you know, you, your family have been in this business from your time at McGowan's in Fibsborough. Then you come to Drogheda uh, to Scholars and the, the wonderful job you've made of it and Peggy Moore's, etc. And you've all put your heart and soul into this. But to get back to college, get back, you're a dad. You're a husband. You're a, you know, you have so many balls to juggle. But this is, uh, what would I say, worked around you to, to suit you or to suit the person who goes back. Absolutely. So it, the process was, was fairly, fairly simple, like in the sense that I had to, I organised an interview and I came in and then they gave me a list of modules that I could um, put together, you know, the prior learning that I have that would relate to each of the modules. And then there's learning outcomes. So they just evaluate to see where I'm at. And then they'll recognize exactly what I have done and then find out the area or where there's gaps missing. And then we can look at that. And then I'll go in and I have like two modules this semester, two modules last semester. And I have another two modules each semester next year. And then I'm finished. So basically, I'm going straight into the final year of a level eight, which is great. And I'd never have been able to do that without the RPL process in place. You get me, Jerry. You know? mm, yeah, and and uh, in your particular area, hospitality, I'd say you're an an example of many that work in that area that you know come from a similar background to you and have similar challenges. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that we have to be humble when it comes down to yes, we're experienced, but we, some of us have been through the industry, and and we none of us know it all. So it's always good to go back and and try and gain a little bit more knowledge where you can. I'm only coming from it. A search engine optimization class there, and 
uh, with uh, Edel, one of the lecturers there. And I mean, it, it, none of it's easy, and it's that stuff that I that I recognise. But they're, they're simplifying it, and it's something that I can apply to my business now as well, which is going to have a huge benefit for Scholars Townhouse Hotel. It'll have a huge benefit for Peggy Moore's. And um, that's the idea, I suppose. And for anybody that doesn't have their own business and they're looking to advance within the industry, or within any industry for that matter, and any years that they have uh, gained through experience, the gaps can be filled through education, you know. So it's, it's a great process. Philip, you have a poster boy there for sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We're very proud of him. <laughs> and, you know, it, what he says there obviously just explains in layperson's terms, you know, wh- where he came from and how it is possible for anybody. And, you know, f- from your perspective and the, the college today, you're looking for people. Are you looking for people, more people to engage? Oh, well, we're always looking for people to engage. Um, and I think that point that was being made there, there's an awful lot of people then may want to get out or sorry, learn more about the particular area that they're in and the industry that they're in, or they may be looking for a career change. Um, possibly they've been laid off recently and they're looking for um, around to see if they can get another job. Or they could also have been coming towards the end of their career would like to actually get a degree because there's quite a lot of people many years ago like myself when I left school, college wasn't something that you went straight into but you'd always wanted maybe to have um, a degree to to put against your name. So there's many different reasons why people come back to to college and into higher education. So we'd encourage everybody and anybody that's considering it for whatever reasons to actually come and talk to us. Um, and look at um, our great website. There's a huge amount of uh, courses listed there. There's something for everybody from part-time all the way through to full-time, uh, whether you want to enhance um, a degree that you have and go on to uh, a HDIP or go on to a master's or something like that. There is something for everybody there. And we also will be working with industry if there's industries that want to come and talk to us about developing particular programs for them mm. to suit their staff. Um, to build on their expertise within the within their company, um, which also obviously helps you retain their staff. Um, and also some industries and some enterprises, if they've got a higher educated staff, they can tender for different types of contracts. So there, there's benefits across the board for many different people. Yes. So many uh, different industries. Uh, different industries, different ages, folks, today. If this rings a bell for you, the RPL programme, is, is the best way to find out more is to go on the DKIT website? Yeah, they go onto the DKIT um, website. There's an OPR section that explains the whole process. Um, if they have any issues, they just can email me and they go OPL at dkit.ie and, I, and I'll get straight back to them. And does is it time dependent? You know, we're in March this part of the year. Can you do this at any stage or other semesters as well and tied in with the academic years? It is going to be tied in with the academic years uh, in the main, but there's normally either September or a January start, depending on the course. Um, and if people want to look at uh, the springboard as well, they can look at that and they may get funding, depending mm. on their circumstances. Mark, are you a good pupil in the class? Have you, you know, reformed from your earlier years? You know me, Jerry. I'm I'm always very good. I always keep the head down. Uh, when when you're a mature student as well, sometimes you can use the staff car parking. They don't know the difference between the lecturers and the, the mature students. And they're handy to hand as well, you know. But other than that, I haven't been in any trouble whatsoever. You shouldn't be saying that with Philip on the line here and everybody else listening. But I have to say, it's always great to have mature students in the classroom yes. because they bring a new level of knowledge and um, it's great for the other students that are in the course as well so mm. that's why we'd all encourage um, 
it's your students back to us. Of course. Uh, Mark, delighted for you. You know, you have years of experience. You have so much to bring. And it's only right that you received the credit and now can go on and complete your studies and qualify. Uh, the sky's the limit, Mark. Absolutely, yeah. I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody. And I know there's a lot of people in my industry that weren't aware of it. So um, I'd highly recommend it. And my door is always open. If anybody wanted to know a little bit more, I'd, I'd just do anything I could to recommend it. And the doc IT as well is absolutely fantastic. The lectures are brilliant, very welcoming. And um, yeah, learning, learning every day. Thank you so much. Wish you well. Wish you well, Dr. Philip Scanlon. And uh, also to you, Mark, as well. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Cheers, Thank you. Take care, boys. Bye-bye. 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 Yes, so there you are. If you're interested, if it rings a bell, next semester starts September. Plenty of time to find out all the information and get involved. If you have experience, if you believe you can bring it uh, to bear, you know, in an educational uh, setting and uh, qualify, uh, it's a great opportunity. RPL at DKIT.ie. That's RPL at DKIT.ie. You get more information there or on the DKIT website. Can you say it? Can you say the word today? Yes, it's time for our Monday misplaced enunciation. I'm even delighted with myself. I was able to roll that off the tongue. It's not easy. So where are we going today for our place name? Well, we're in County Loud today. And it's a very short one. But it's one that people often question and some struggle with too. So can you say this place name for me absolutely properly? Now, please. Let's say it properly. I want you to WhatsApp me. little WhatsApp message when I give you the letters or the numbers, the letters, should I say, um, for this one. WhatsApp me. 086-1800-658 if you can say this properly, if you know the proper pronunciation. Are you ready? Listen carefully. I'll say this only twice. C-O-L-L-O-N. How do you say it? How do you say that place name properly? C O. L-L-O-N. Write it down. Look at it. Say it. And if you're from the place, well, how do you say it? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. C-O-L-L-O-N. I did it three times. That's our misplaced enunciation place in County Loud today. I'd love to hear how you say it. And we will have somebody on a little bit later on who is from the place. And they're going to tell us how you definitively say the place name. Cranberries. On your late lunch this Monday afternoon and dreams. And of course, as we've been hearing on late lunch earlier today, there are many people dreaming of lining their pockets, of hitting the jackpot in Cheltenham uh, from tomorrow. And we wish everybody well. What a festival in prospect the next four days. Now, up next on late lunch, I'm joined by a woman who spoke to us, I think it was late last year, about the difficulties that was being experienced by people waiting in Ireland for parcels, especially from the UK. Huge, huge problem. But I believe there is good news. Anna McHugh, Head of Communications at Unpost. Hello again. Hello, Jerry. Yes, good news indeed. And not before time. It's taken a big effort and uh, a lot of to. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And throwing, but uh, we are very happy now that at last uh, Britain are putting in place the sort of systems that they should have had in place about two years ago, so as to be able to comply with the new EU customs rules and get sort out and get rid of the delays that are affecting customers here in Ireland when they're waiting for parcels from Britain in particular. And, and, and is, is this wholly down to Brexit, Anna? Um, Brexit is a complication, a massive complication. So these new EU customs rules were planned for about 20 years. And really, I suppose they were about, you know, protecting trade within, the, within Europe and protecting jobs within Europe and making it maybe more difficult for, you know, cheaper Asian imports to come into the country and, uh, you know, some of them substandard and then they have to be disposed of and, and the like. So I suppose that's really what was behind them originally. And Britain were all for them. Absolutely. They were, you know, they were very much part of them as they were being put, put together. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes Brexit. And suddenly Britain are no longer in our gang in Europe. They are a non-EU country. So they may, might as well be China, for example. And it just, you know, that was the impact of Brexit. And it it really impacted Ireland badly because about half of our parcel traffic is from from within Ireland and about half of it is international. But of that international um, parcel volumes, two thirds of it is coming into us from Britain. So when Britain were in the the non-EU gang and subject to all these new rules, it impacted us more than any other country in Europe. Mm. And they were then very slow to get their act together, to get their head around the fact that what Brexit actually meant and that these EU rules were for real and that they were on the wrong side of them. So, um, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. Mm. But all that time, it just meant a total pain for Unpus customers. So, for example, if you had been buying wool, for example, from or crochet yarn, for example, from a supplier maybe in, you know, Yorkshire somewhere that had gone on beautifully, all of a sudden that supplier in Yorkshire couldn't send you that yarn anymore without having all sorts of digital um, data attached to explain what it was and where it was made and all kinds of details. Um, And that had to be provided in a digital format um, at at the same time as the parcel arriving so that all the customs could be calculated. And those systems simply weren't in place. 
when you go into a post office here, if you're sending stuff to the States, for example, the post office will look after it all for you. Or you can do it online um, uh, at unpost.com and bring the link on your phone to the post office and it'll all be sorted out as you post the item. But that wasn't happening in Britain. Their post offices didn't know anything about it and really cared less because they're not connected into the mail business the same way as the two sides of Unpost are. Mm. So, Jerry, it's, it's like a migraine, to be honest. It's a yeah. very complicated, yes. messy affair. Yeah. But what's good, and I, I should say, though, that if you're buying from any of the big brands online, any of the big um, international brands, they got on board with this from the beginning. And all of that data and all of that detail is sorted out when you're paying at the checkout. They're taking your details and they're they're filling in all the necessary behind-the-scenes data that's required with your parcel. So you pay everything at the checkout and it, your parcel scoots into you here in Ireland. No delays. What was being delayed was where a small business or a friend or family member in Britain was going in and using the local post office to post something into Ireland, like so many small businesses in the UK do. And that's where the problems were arising. And that's where there was a complete lack of system. Now, at last, Royal Mail and the British post offices are putting in place the new systems to capture that data when somebody is posting and it'll be everything will be ship shape for Irish customs. And it means that when things arrive here, we can get them out and delivered quickly. Which is great. So just before we finish, for example, worst case scenario that you heard, how long was somebody waiting? And today with the new systems activated and in place, how quickly should a parcel come over? Well, I mean, there was a question. I mean, they were taking weeks in some cases. Right. And in other cases, if the, if the data wasn't correct, they were just, they had to be, we had no option. They had to be returned to sender mm. to be, you know, until it was put right. And very few of them knew how to put it right. So it was an absolute mess. On top of that, Royal Mail were, were hit by a very serious cyber attack right, yeah. um, a few months ago. And um, that created havoc as well with stuff, you know. Now, there will still be charges to be made. Um, you know, there'll be VAT payable and customs charges on, on some items. Um so, you know, when you get a notification from OnPost um, that there is that, if you're expecting something and you get a, that charge, you'll get a letter in the post um, and can be very clear what it's for. Um, do, it's very important that people pay those charges promptly. Now, never, ever follow a link on a text or an email, ever. How you pay the charge is you either, you know, you go in with the notification and you pay it in your local post office or you log on yourself to onpost.com and into the customs area um, on the website and it's really simple there. You can pay online. Mm. You can either pay at the local post office or make your own way to the website and pay online. If you get a text or an email or anything else with a link saying you owe 99 cents or you owe 2.99, follow this link and pay, don't do that. That's yes. not how this works. Onpost will never ever send you a link and ask you to pay or give bank details or private details. It's very important to say that at the same time, yeah. uh, speaking about the wider system. But look, it should be much faster. Obviously, the post offices are being trained in the UK and it's it's been installed all over the place. And, you know, within a, a relatively short period of time, it should all improve enormously and make life easier for both, you know, people who are buying yeah. from small businesses in the UK, family and friends posting from the UK and our own customers here and on post receiving items. Good news and well explained indeed and vital never to follow those links. Always nice to talk to you, Anna McHugh on Post Head of Communications. Thank you for joining me again today.
Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Anna McHugh there. And that's very important advice. Don't fall for those tricksters. That's uh, a very important message today. Short break on late lunch. And afterwards, we're going to have a chat with the people from Mead Civil Defence. Mead Civil Defence, big news emanating late last week. We're going to have a chat about it now on late lunch. I'm joined by Shane Quinn and Karen Kelly. Hello to both of you. Uh, hello there. Hi, Gary. How are you? Very good. Thanks for joining me. Well, Shane, let's talk about the two new search dogs. How has this come about and what difference will they make to your work? Uh, well, the, the, the first one is is our own dog here in Mead Civil Defence, uh, which is Rossi, uh, the, the five-year-old Springer that we got from Northern Ireland. Uh, and then uh, the other one is based in Dublin, uh, Archie, who's handled by, by Michael. Uh, both dogs are Godiva search dogs, so they're, they're basically there for, for helping us or assisting us in recovering human remains. Uh, how will they help us in our, in our operational duties and, and day-to-day searches? They, they should, please God, you know, speed up the whole process to allow us to recover persons who are missing and, re- and return them to their families uh, rather than, than having prolonged the searches. Uh, it's probably the best way to put it, Jerry. Mm, so Rossi is the Mead dog. Who who looks after the dog? Uh, that's our volunteer, Karen Kelly. Right. So uh, who's, who's, who's on the other line? He's on the other line. So Karen yeah. looks after him. And you know these dogs are fully trained. Where have they come from? Where have they got the training? Uh, well, Rossi's after being trained. Uh, I suppose the best person to talk to about Rossi and, and how Rossi was trained, Jerry, in fairness to her, is Karen. Because she's put in the 150 hours oh, right. uh, of hard graft to get Rossi trained. Uh, so I might leave that Yeah, well, well for, let's, for, let's for have Karen. a chat with her. She's there on the line talking to us. Hello. Hi, Jerry. How are you keeping? I'm really good. Karen, same question to you about the, uh, the dog uh, that you have now and that you're looking after. Where did that training happen? Where did it come from? Is it, it's a he, is it? It is, yeah. It's, yes. it's a he, yeah. Uh, so my training, uh, my guided learning hours were based in Wales and over here. Um, we had a trainer that trained detection dogs for a couple of other different disciplines. Um, so I did 150 hours over the space of about nine to ten months with him. And in between that uh, is, I suppose, when a lot more the the hard graft kind of goes in when he's at home and we go travelling anywhere who will lend us a field or a forest uh, to go training in. So he probably does about five days a week of either short or long searches. Uh, so he's a very willing participant. So you so you have to really uh, work with this dog constantly. It's not a question of getting a dog over that's trained and that's it. There's a constant uh, reinforcement of the knowledge with the dog. Absolutely. Uh, we try not, uh, like any of the lads in the unit will tell you, we try not to take our foot off the pedal at all. Um, the dogs, uh, are, they have to be physically fit and mentally fit to go out and do a hard slog, whether it be on the side of a mountain or on a bank search or even on a boat, which can be very challenging for the dog in itself because they're literally standing on top of a boat and they're not physically moving themselves. So uh, you kind of have to, you have to work all angles for training, but the dogs are fantastic. They, they really are. They're great at uh, what they do. So uh, just with the training that we do, we just have to keep on top of those kinds of things. What age is Rossi again, um, and what breed of dog? 
he's five years old. He was five last July, and he is a Springer Spaniel. Okay, they're active dogs. The Springers, aren't they? Um, they are generally quite active. Luckily enough, with um, I was very, very lucky with Rossi that he has a very good off switch, uh, which is very much appreciated after before and after training takes place. Uh, it's not a case of having to tire the dog out the whole time. Um, he's very active when he gets out, and once the harness goes on, he's a different dog altogether. And Karen, from from your perspective, how long are you with Civil Defence? Um, just coming up on 10 years, Jerry. Uh, so I'll, I hope to get a, a medal from Shane soon enough. <laughs> and it's obviously uh, something you absolutely love. I really do love uh, being a volunteer with Civil Defence. I mean, I can't thank Shane and the Civil Defence for putting the really valuable resources into myself and Rossi. Uh, being in this specific area, you don't you don't get lions and you don't really, you have to really contemplate going on a night out or anything because you come home to a dog. Uh, the dog has to be walked every day, has to be exercised and fed and watched the whole time for any changes in behaviour. But knowing that you're going to give back to the community and that you can be of service in such a delicate area and a very, very important area, it's, it's very rewarding. And Shane, to, to you, you know, you're active, you're a very active unit in Meath as well, and, and you, you assist the Gardaí. Yeah, so, so part of the role in civil defence is that we're there to support all of the, the primary response agencies, such as the Gardaí, the Fire Service, the Coast Guard, uh, in the, the search for missing persons. So we are. Uh, so, for example, there was, a, it was in the news there of a search in Cavan at the weekend, mm. and, and we had Rossi on standby to go to that search. Uh, and thankfully it was closed out uh, quicker than, than, than we were actually required to be on the ground. So we actually do assist the Gardaí in, in, in the search for, for missing persons. Uh, and before we had Rossi, it was just a case of more feet on the ground and bringing in dogs from other counties, such as Dublin or, or Tipperary. Uh, and then prior to Rossi and Karen, we had, we had uh, our, our previous search dogs, both of who are retired now, uh, they were handled by a different handler who, who's moved on to, to, to a different a different role. Uh, but we would be out on the ground helping the Gardaí, uh, as I said, at, at, at any call. And with volunteers, it, it is literally every call that they get. Mm. Is it something you're at every week? You know, do you generally get calls all of the time? So every local authority across the country has a civil defence. Mm. And there's nearly not a weekend, unfortunately, that goes by that some civil defence around the county is out on a search. And we sort of will always jump in to help each other, uh, be, it, be it in the, in the region or, or even nationally. So we, would, we as volunteers would be out at some sort of stuff every weekend, but we wouldn't always be out searching. Yes. If that, if that makes Yeah, manoeuvres or uh, things like yeah, that. That's yeah, yeah, again, with Patrick's Day coming yeah. up now, we've obviously mm. got a, a busy weekend on this weekend as well. Mm. Uh, back to Karen for for a moment. A moment ago, there uh, Shane mentioned about dogs and their you know their their working life and dogs being retired. This fellow you have is five now. How long will he work for? Uh, well, it really depends on the dog. Um, Rossi is because they don't they're not out every single day on hard searches. We manage it so that we will get great longevity out of their career. Uh, so he, at the moment, he's in peak condition. 
and obviously we'll be monitoring that as he gets older but one of the dogs that's in Dublin is 11 years old and he's as fresh as a daisy and we have another one in Tipperary uh, who's actually 12 and he's not due to retire until later on this year so we just we take really really good care of the dogs Uh, they're not quite pets uh, because obviously you have to keep a working relationship with them but they would be very very well looked after Mm. and for you were you a dog owner before Rossi arrived Oh, yeah. Mad about dogs, I am. Uh, I don't think I could live life without a furry <laughs> companion there. And, and and have you other dogs beside Rossi at the moment? I do, actually. I have a, a litter of 10 pups and I have another Springer Spaniel and a Lurcher as well. So life is busy. 10 pups? Are you looking for homes? Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So you're looking for, for a pup. And what breed are they? What breed are the pups? Uh, they're actually Springer Spaniel as well. I own their mother, and uh, they're uh, ac- active is probably the best word to describe them. Ten is a big litter. It is. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It really is. There you go. And what age? How many weeks are they? Uh, no, they're they're getting on a little bit because they they have a little bit of training for all oh, right. Uh, okay. Work. Yeah. So they. They're almost six months. Oh, there you go. So 24 weeks or so. Yeah, there you go. They are moving on for sure. Anyway, we'll leave that for another time as regards uh, new homes for those guys (laughs) in the interim. Look, wish you well with Rossi and all you do. And uh, you're there, as you say, as a very important backup uh, to the Guardian, other uh, emergency services as well. Nice to talk to you both today. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Sherry. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, fantastic people there. Civil Defence and a new dog of their own out uh, searching when required. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, you've been uh, telling me how you say it for sure. Yes, C-O-L-L-O-N is the place we're talking about today. Can you pronounce it? We're going to talk to somebody who lives there after this short break. C O. L-L-O-N. How do you say it properly? How should you pronounce that place? Well, one of our lovely, lovely regulars and friends on late lunch is on the line because you see she lives there. Now, I don't want her to say it immediately because we want to have a listen to what your attempts at saying it are. Margaret Madden, hello again. It's been too long. It has, Sherry. How are you doing? I'm really, really good. Now, you live in this village, Yes. I do. And just in a general sense, you have no problem with the pronunciation. Do you ever encounter people who have, or is there a a debate about the C-O-L-L-O-N? Yeah, I mean, there is. We moved there, gosh, it must be 15 years ago. And when we moved first, um, all all the in-laws on both sides Mm. were just not getting it right at all and would end up resulting in giggles, put it that way. (laughs) Well, we have a listen to what uh, some of our listeners, we've just put a little compilation together of people today who have had a go at this. So you have a listen to this. Listen carefully. Here we go. Colin. Colin. Uh, Colin. 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 Now, the classic, the O or the U, which is it? It's Colin. Even though when you look at it on the paper, it's C. O-L-L-O-N. So if you looked at that, you'd say Colin. I know, but sure, if you saw Siobhan written down somewhere, you'd say Sioban. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> it really is if you looked at it. Oh, but I, yeah. I, and, and you know, you could, say, you could look at it as it's spelled in the paper and say colon. 
Well, yeah, this is the correct that we get from people who, especially if they're driving past on the motorway and they see the sign and they're like, look at that, it's it's colon and it's in the, I don't know, can I say this, in the blank hole of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, uh, I haven't heard that one before. And I, well, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't agree with one bit because it's the loveliest little village and the most fantastic oh, people and the most wonderful football team and everything else going along with it. But it is, it is something, you know, when people look at it. You know, and I've heard this debated before that people say you should pronounce it Colin. But it yeah. is not pronounced like that by the locals at all. No, that's it. The locals all say Cullen and, and it's well known for being cold Cullen, you know, so cold yes. Cullen, you'll hear them saying and and we do, we have our own microclimate. We had <laughs> oh, absolutely tons of snow last week. Um, yeah, it's just, it take, took me a while when I moved first but now I've got it. It's definitely Cullen. Yeah, and I think we we got to say that now in definitive fashion, that that is the proper way to pronounce it. And for a little village, it punches way above its weight, doesn't it? It really does. Oh, God, it's gorgeous. I would never move away from it. I really wouldn't. It's just so different to what I grew up with. Um, But I just would never go back. Mm, and you just live up the road from the football pitch with the famous Mattock Rangers, of course. Play you as well. All, get to hear all the screams and shouts and fights and everything. is great. <laughs> you do. And, and I had the privilege of calling out to you there around Christmas time. And your house is a beautiful house. There's obviously a lot of history in Bleach House. There is, yeah. It was built in the 1700s and by the son of John Foster, who was the last Protestant Speaker of Parliament here in Ireland. So the rumour is that he built it for his son and it was part of the bleaching industry. You know, the linen and bleaching industry would have been huge in the northeast. Um, So it's wonderful to live in a house that has so much history in it, even Mm. if it does. If it's a money pit, look, don't get me wrong, but I love it. Absolutely love it. You do. You do indeed. While you're with me, how are the studies going? Oh, stop. It's never ending. Hopefully I should be finishing up in September. Will you? Um, and in the meantime, I'm just doing a little bit of sub-teaching because we're very short in this country. Very short. Yes. Uh, things are not getting any better. So God bless them. They have me teaching the children. <laughs> and uh, a little vignette. What about the podcast world? Have you made your debut? I have taped the debut. I'm not sure when it's coming out. It should be um, in the next couple of weeks anyway, but it was an absolute delight to do with Neil Delamore and Dave Moore from Today FM. And, and it is about what my what my pieces is. And we'll be talking about the shenanigans at a funeral, mm. historically speaking. Yes, yes. But it is it is a subject, you know, the whole subject of death and passing on in Ireland. We deal with it. I don't have to tell you, but we deal with it, I think, in a very... Peculiar way, peculiar to ourselves here in Ireland. Absolutely. It's a very distinctive approach that we have. But you have to remember that a lot of it would have been motivated politically and religiously. Um, and the traditions have kind of diluted over the years. But some of them are coming back. Well, not all of them, thank God. If you, when you hear the podcast, you'll understand why. Mm. You wouldn't want them all back. But definitely, I must come in and chat to you about it someday. Because ah, yes. there's some very, very funny stories that are all part of, they're part of Irish history, you know? Yeah, they are indeed. And part of Irish history is that little village you live in as well yes. called Cullen. Yes. Cullen is it's right. Cullen. Yeah. Cold Cullen. Yeah, they say that, don't <laughs> they? They do indeed. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me. You're so good. Wish you well with everything and we'll be oh, talking again soon, you. I'm sure. Lovely to talk to you again. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Margaret. Bye. So it is definitively Cullen. C-O-L-L-O-N is Cullen. If you 
wrote it. As you say it, it would probably be C-U-L-L-E-N. But there you go. That's what it is. And it'll never, ever change. And if you hear anybody saying any different, well, you just got to correct them and get them saying it properly for sure. Oh, were you watching the rugby yesterday? I was. I was actually in Heathrow Airport when the game was on. And the cheer that went up, it was a tight, tough old game, wasn't it? It really was. But when we got that first try, oh my God, I thought the roof had come off the place. Really biased. There were other people and other nationalities there probably looking at us. But there's a huge Irish contingent there watching the game. But a great win in Scotland yesterday. And it actually tees up the match. Would you believe it? St. Patrick's weekend and England coming to Dublin. Trounced they were by France the weekend for the big game. If you have a ticket for that game, good luck to you. They're like hen's teeth at the moment and people paying a fortune for them. Can we do it? Can we beat the old enemy? And beat them in Cheltenham. Then beat them at the rugby next weekend. Oh, what a double whammy that would be. Wouldn't it be just fantastic? Anyway, let's see. It'll be a tough game. England will certainly put it up to Ireland next weekend. But it's just a great game in prospect and to look forward to. And what a... A game it is now. The hits, some of the hits in the game. Oh my God, they're remarkable, I have to say. But anyway, we've beaten everybody in the Six Nations. Just the men in white stand in our way of a Grand Slam, Triple Crown and the Championship. Wouldn't it be absolutely brilliant if we do it next weekend? I wish them well. I hope they do. And of course, uh, we'll wish you till Thursday on Late Lunch. And David Sheaton's doing a sporting preview on Thursday afternoon with us ahead of the big sporting weekend. And of course, the Loud Derby on Thursday night and more besides. Late Lunch, LMFM Radio taking us up towards top of the hour at three. It's Mr. Harry Styles. Hi Jerry, it's Magella here, long time no here. I live in Drum Conrad, you do indeed. And when on my way to RD, there's a sign at Manistown for Cullen. And it's spelled C O L L I N. Somebody fix that sign up quickly, please. Colin, C O L L A N. Said I would mention it to my favourite radio presenter. I know, you know, I have a little soft spot for you. And me for you too, Miguel, I have to say. Thanks so much for letting us know about that misplaced enunciation or misspelling or whatever you like to call it. Here's another one there, uh, Jerry, and sent me a picture and all. I have my ticket for next Saturday. That's for the Ireland England game. I pray to God they do it. Uh, we've only ever won three Grand Slams and we've never won it at Lansdowne Road or the Aviva as it's called now says we Jerry. thanks indeed for your message really do appreciate it now on late lunch it is time for this five four three two one counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear and today it's yes 2007 this very week in 2007 and you see because it's a short week sorry I have to drop the five this week so we start at four on Monday three two one up until Thursday our final day of this short week with the bank holiday for St. Patrick's Day so at number four in this week 2007 who was it? Well, it was a young fella at that stage that really could have recorded Three Blind Mice and it'd go to number one because this song today went to number one on the Billboard Top 100 in the United States. But funny enough, in the UK, it only reached number four, never went any higher. In the video, do you remember it? Scarlett Johansson was in the video with Mr. Justin Timberlake and our number four on the top five countdown. What goes around comes around.
Yes, Justin Timberlake, number four this very week in 2007 in my top five countdown. I'll bring you three, two, one over the uh, coming days until Thursday and we break for the national holiday. Louise, did you watch the Oscars? No, I didn't. No, but I would have loved to see the donkey. Would you? Yeah. Well, you yeah. can watch it. It'll be on this evening. The, the, the whole watch ceremony, them, I think, yeah. is on television tonight. But of course, sure, it's in the early hours of the morning. I didn't watch it myself. I'd have to say, I'd say the Irish contingent were disappointed. I th- I'd say so. Yeah. No matter what way you, you'd lost it up or anything, mm-hmm. I'd say there's disappointment. You know, there was a big hype around it from late last year and early this year. But there you go. Anyway, everything... Everywhere, all at once. I have to say to you, it's news to me. Anyway, one great thing about it cleaning up. Was it? <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> no, what I was thinking. I know Michelle Yeoh and her, this is the is 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 a big thing. But the great thing about her and Jamie Lee Curtis, Michelle is sixty and Jamie Lee is sixty four. And did Jamie ever win an Oscar before? She may have, but at this age, Mm. I I can't say definitely, but to see the two of them in their 60s win Mm -hmm. is fantastic. It it really is. And and it says a lot as well. And it's great encouragement to actors who, you know, at times they feel maybe they're... Ageism. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that type of thing. But I have to say one movie. I I personally was thrilled that one movie won. The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. I think I have that a book. It's a book, you're right. 2019, uh, Charlie Mackesy wrote the book in 2019. It sold over 8 million copies mm, worldwide. And the movie was shown on TV uh, just at Christmas there. And it is just simply beautiful because it's a story of kindness, friendship, courage and hope. And anything like that, I just love. And I was thrilled it won the Oscar. I really was, that one in particular. And we do have an Irish an yeah. Irish Oscar as well. Yes. Oh no, listen, we, we did and, and I just saw on that movie Gabriel Byrne was the horse. Really? Yeah, Gabriel Byrne was the horse. <laughs> the horse. Yes. Is it Cullen or Cullen? Horse or horse? Well, she could go anywhere with that, couldn't you? Anyway. Monkey or monkey? <laughs> Simple. <laughs> yeah, you could just extend that all over. The- anyway, next up on Late Lunch, we are chatting to somebody who was at the Oscar ceremonies last evening and she was part of the uh, team nominated, of course, for Colleen Kuhn. Kate McCullough is with us next. Yes, big local link to the Oscars. We spoke to her a few weeks back and the excitement was palpable with the Oscars imminent. Well, it's happened now and I have to thank her. I'm so grateful that she's speaking to us today. She should be fast asleep. Cinematographer on <laughs> Colleen Kuhn, Kate McCullough. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? Good morning, afternoon. <laughs> Do you know what time it is, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I know uh, I'm out of my bed anyway, but <laughs> uh, listen, you are a woman of your word, I have to say. Well, look at me. I say firstly, we were so disappointed you didn't get the Oscar. And I was just saying there as well, the Banshees didn't pick up anything either. Uh, but what an honour, what an achievement to be nominated for an Oscar. How are you feeling? Oh yeah, I mean it was it was a fantastic night. I mean it was great to see the guys um, from an Irish goodbye pick up the award, and mm. uh, also Richie Bainham, who did the VFX on Avatar, he he won as well. So it's still a pretty <laughs> pretty good representation from a tiny little country. It certainly is. And and that's what we must keep in mind because we are tiny in the context, as you know, of the, of the industry overall. So, Kate, tell us what happens, you know, when you arrive. Is, is there a meal before the Oscars? 
God, no, I, I don't think we, our first meal yesterday was about 10 p.m. Was it? <laughs> yeah, no, there was those little bits of food flying around on trays, but uh, a lot of the time you're sort of standing around waiting to, to see where where to go next. <laughs> so it's like a huge big festival with, with fancy carpet and, and curtains. <laughs> Thanks for letting us know that. Anyway, there's nibbles which wouldn't keep you going at all, as they say. You know, you've watched it for years. What was it like to be there on the red carpet in the theatre, part of the whole razzmatazz? What do you make of it? Oh, yeah, look, it was it was incredible. Actually, it was the first year they changed the colour of the carpet. So it was um, what they called champagne. (laughs) Uh, so it was a kind of cream carpet, and within about ten minutes, I'd say it was, it was, it was already looking a little bit tired. But um, yeah, no, look, it was, it was brilliant to walk in, just the whole gang of us um, together, and 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 have a cheer for the film. And uh, you know, there was there was excitement to to see the, you know, the recognisable faces of people from various different films and stuff so mm. yeah no it was brilliant it was brilliant it was great I, buzz and I think you know the Americans really know how to put on a spectacle like it was it was actually quite special seeing just the mechanics of the show mm. even though we were up in the rafters we were way up the the very back <laughs> shouting and roaring Oh, well, listen, you were there. You were in the theatre. Anyway, you heard it exclusively on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio today. It's back to red carpet next year. Kate McCullough has confirmed whoever made that decision. Well, well, they're going to have to relook at that <laughs> for, for sure. Uh, you know, you mentioned you, you obviously got a good look at the, the great and good. And then when it afterwards, people are emerging and that. Did, did you get close to any of your heroes? Were you able to say hello to anybody? Are we just happy enough to be with your own crew and enjoy it? Yeah, I w- we were coming out at the end last night, and I just spotted um, Paul. Uh, sorry, Paul Meskel, who I'd worked with on Normal People. And I just gave him a, a wave across the crowd. Um, but uh, I actually met a, a real hero of mine, Roger Deakins, who has shot um, cinematographer, has shot many films over the years, and I had a, a really good chat with him on the carpet. So yeah, no, my night was kind of made when I. When I had spotted him. <laughs> ah, Kate, I'm delighted. That is a wonderful thing to say, that you meet your hero, you know, at the Oscars oh, yeah. in LA. Yeah. Isn't it just wonderful to have that memory f- forevermore? And then afterwards, of course, do do different movies or different groups of people head to various parties? Well, yeah, there's the well-known fantasy fair party, which mm. would cost you a couple of grand to get into. So we we, <laughs> we were redirected, <laughs> let's just say, <laughs> to our, our ranch. We had a, a kind of an after party in a, in a ranch. Uh, so, yeah, look, we got all the Irish crowd together and Richie Bainham got a big cheer when he arrived in with his statuette. I got to hold an Oscar at least, got a little little feel of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, isn't that just something else? And I, I take it they're heavy. They are pretty heavy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a good sign, I suppose. Yeah, you don't want to drop it on anyone's toe unless you didn't particularly like them. But uh, no, you want to hold <laughs> on to it and keep it good. That was a lovely moment when they sang Happy Birthday, wasn't it? Oh, it was. It was gorgeous. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It really Delighted was. For, for that actor, yeah, yeah. Does it whet your appetite for more or, you know, to go on better? I'm sure it does. You know, when you get there and you're part of it, you'd love to say, I'd love to come back here sometime and actually 
you know, get the statuette? Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually kind of glad in one way that I wasn't the one having to go down onto the stage because it's such a huge venue and you really feel the <laughs> the immensity of the crowd watching, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, it would be great to be back at some stage. Um, but, you know, I'm just happy to be to be working on films that are telling stories that you know, move people in some way or another. So uh, that's kind of, that's my main <laughs> hope in all of this. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Isn't it wonderful to be part of such a marvellous movie that's done so well uh, in so many festivals this year and then to culminate in a nomination for an Oscar. It really, really is fabulous. So h- how long more are you there for? Well, you better get a few hours sleep now. How long more are you there for? What's your plan? When do you return <laughs> to Ireland or where are you heading from here? Uh, yeah, we come back on Wednesday, so we're just going to take a couple more days here. I have a couple of meetings with people and stuff, so it is, you know, it's it's work as well. Sure. <laughs> making making connections, it's all it's all useful. So yeah, you know, we've had a fantastic time. We really have. Well, look, you're really kind and it's great to talk to you directly from LA today uh, on the back of the ceremony. And of course, it's going out all over the uh, local TV here in this neck of the woods this evening. And I'm sure it'll have a huge audience as well. Again, congratulations to you and all the team on the movie. Well done and well done to everybody from Ireland who was there. Congratulations to the winners, to the nominees as well. It's been a terrific year. And here's to the next ceremony, Kate, and you there picking up the little gold fella. (laughs) <laughs> All right, thanks a million. Thanks for All joining me so much in the show. Take care of yourself. Yes, we're so proud of our Kate McCullough, a local uh, woman, brilliant at our craft cinematography, talking to us in the aftermath of the Oscars from LA this afternoon, bringing the curtain down on late lunch for this Monday afternoon in the Bank Holiday Week. That's our lot on the show today. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. Do stay with us. We'll be back tomorrow, Tuesday, with a jam-packed two hours for you from 1.30. Have a lovely Monday evening. We'll see you then. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.